Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Back in here for another episode of Believe in Kentucky. How is everybody doing? Oh, I thought we were talking to the audience. Uh, I'm doing pretty well. Uh, doing probably better than the folks over in the football building are. Even maybe the basketball building after the, uh, the little bit of a scare there on Monday night. But uh, I'm doing just fine. Aaron Gershon, Jalen Whitlow. Got a little noisy background. I don't know if it's a... It's a fan or a fan or something. Or? Well, I don't know. Well, never lost Jay. Everyone. But yeah, we got. No, we're uh, off to a hot start. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron Gershaw from the Cats Pose. Jalen Whitlow, former UK quarterback, will be right back. I don't know if it was a little background or I don't know if I got my phones turned up. I don't hear it now. It might it might have been on his end. That might yeah, be. Yeah. Something might have hopped off. But we'll bring Jalen Whitlow back in here. There he is. Taylor Whitlow's back. Yeah, yeah. Um, The season has flown by, fellas. Uh, Appreciate everybody that's watching us on the live stream. Sorry we got off to a little little shaky start. We're on the YouTube. We're on Facebook Live. We're on Twitter Live. We're we're just trying to fit in with Kentucky Athletics. That's all. (laughs) Game 12 is Saturday. We'll talk football and basketball, but it's – Game number 12, sitting at six and five, not where we thought we'd be at this point in time. Um, you know, coming off of that gut punch to South Carolina, you were in the building, Aaron. We all watched it, we all saw it, and you know, it's been basketball games played more recently, but let's let's go and get to the football game first. Got the rivalry game with Louisville coming as well. We'll we hit it all like we do, and uh appreciate y'all listening along the way. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, that was a tough one uh, out in Columbia, to say the least. It was a, it was an ugly football game. Uh, <laughs> I think that's the the first thing that needs to be said. It wasn't like South Carolina came out. I mean, I think going into the game, the way you saw a path for South Carolina was okay. Kentucky's pass defense has been pretty bad consistently since the Georgia game. Uh, Spencer Rattler is another really good quarterback. We all know how good uh, Xavier Leggett, probably the second best receiver in the SEC behind Malik Neighbors this year. Um, so you, you could see maybe that, you know, South Carolina was just going to put too many points on the board for Kentucky. But no, Kentucky's defense, you know, outside of some unacceptable third and long conversions and um, uh, the two touchdowns to get that he just cooked Andrew Phillips on. Uh, the defense had a pretty good day. I mean, Deion Walker was uh, – he's played a lot of good games in two years. That was probably his best game yet. I know it was his career high in tackles. He had a sack. He was just absolutely eating alive a really weak uh, interior of that South Carolina offense of line. So uh, the defense did some pretty good things all night outside of 
you know, two drives, really. Uh, even getting a goal line stop and forcing a field goal early uh, kind of flipped the momentum for a little bit. So, uh, you know, you can't, other than the long third downs, you can't really punish the defense too much. It's really the main thing that um, cost this team last year. It's cost this team this year. It was something we thought would at least be better this year. And it's the offense, man. They do not score enough points. Uh, they'll show flash this year, unlike last year. Uh, they'll show flashes of the the talent they have on that side of the ball. They'll have some big plays. They'll have some explosive runs. The Ray Davis run where he juked a guy out of his shoes with a spin move. I mean, that was one of the prettier plays uh, this offense has had all season. But so many just awful drives where they're behind the chains and have no chance. Uh, three turnovers, you know, two. I mean, the Dane Key one, that's a tough one. You know, you kind of have to give some credit to Kilgore. I believe that's Jalen Kilgore is the one who knocked it out there. Um, that's, a, that's a tough break. But, you know, the strip sack, Leary holds onto that ball for far too long. The pick in the end zone can't happen. Um, and, and just offense kicking themselves in the foot, penalties, you name it. Uh, that's what cost them this game. You can't score 14 points and expect to win on the SEC, in the SEC, especially on the road. And that's what happened. And this team is staring uh, – the worst regular, you know, takeaway 2020. Uh, this would be, you know, if they lose this game Saturday, their worst uh, regular season since 2015. I mean, that's a that's a major indictment right there. Yeah, you know, kind of everything you said, man. I think um, from a defensive standpoint, you hold a team to 17 points, you expect to win. Yeah, uh, you know they. And, and I'm gonna just be real, man. Um, and you heard Liam Cohen say it. The other day, yesterday, I think it was. At some point, your dudes got to be dudes. At some point, your dudes got to make plays. The fumble, guys fading away in their route when they're supposed to be getting negative in their out route to cut the defender off from undercutting the ball. Just little stuff like that. At some point, your best players got to be your best players. Your best players got to be able to – the offensive scheme is good enough for your best players to – manufacture you more than 14 points against South Carolina, period. Um, I don't know what it is. You know, again, Liam Cohen alluded to it yesterday. It's, it's, it's definitely has to be a leadership issue. Uh, it's something that's intangible. We know that. It's not tangible. They have talents. Uh, they have a quarterback who's, who's you know, probably not having the season that he wanted to have, but he's still pretty good, in my opinion. Uh, he makes enough throws. He makes enough plays. Um, you know, they have receivers who – at least on paper, should be playing well. Um, offensive line should be, you know, doing their thing. Running back is really good. So tight end room is solid. So yeah. I, I think, you know, I think the, the, at some point your players got to make plays, man. You know, they got to make plays. Now, on the flip side of that, Liam Cohen also alluded to, uh, he alluded to a lot of things yesterday, but he also alluded to that they have to look into playing with some tempo, playing with more pace this offseason. Uh, and, 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 and guys, y'all know this, it's going to help everybody out. Players, no like it, players like it more. Your quarterback, that's the type of guy he is, even though he's leaving. Quarterbacks like it even more. The NFL is going to that type of style, too. Most teams are start, more teams are starting to play faster and, and mix the tempo up. Receivers get up more opportunities when you're playing fast, but you got to stay on the field. Uh, you got to convert on third downs. But when you're, when you're starting to play fast, you start to get guys more touches. You start to get more snaps. Uh, you keep the defense off the field uh, in a lot of cases if you're converting. Um, you know, and it's more exciting for fans. If I'm that fan that's on the ropes, if I'm on the line, uh, do I want to go to the game this Saturday? 
Should I not go to the game this Saturday? Hell yeah, I'm gonna go to the game when the offense is, is exciting to watch. Absolutely. Uh, so, you know, I I, I think you, you know, like I said, Liam Cohen alluded to the things that I was even thinking about. Like, there has to be more pace. There must be some lack of leadership, some lack of accountability. I mean, what uh, Barry on Brown did on, on on a couple of his routes. I mean, that's stuff we tell our eighth graders not to do. I yeah. mean. I mean, that's I'm talking like this is real. This this is stuff. This is stuff that we have to coach out of our rising ninth graders. Hey, you cannot fade away on the outbreaking route. You can't do it, right? Because for that reason, for guys being able to undercut, you cannot do that. You you hang your quarterback out to dry in that situation. Um, so that's just a lack of discipline, um, you know, in my opinion. So again, this is no shot at anybody, but the talent is there. They just got to produce, right? And you're going to get your opportunity to produce on uh, on Saturday against a good Louisville team, and they're going to have to produce to win this game on offense. I think Kentucky's defense will do a good job, as almost what they always do, but I think Kentucky's offense got to score 30 points uh, to win this football game, and, and that's just what it's going to be. So, um, you know, they, they, got to, they got to get their dude activity out of their dudes, you know, is, is what I would say, uh, and they got to get it fast. So – the two drives you're talking about defensively, are you talking about the first drive and the last drive for them or the first two drives for them? That didn't go well. Yeah, that you kind of fought the defense for. Yeah, the first drive of the game, opening mm-hmm. drive, and then the last one that they scored on. The last yeah, one that yeah. they scored on. Uh, yeah, I give, I'll give i give them credit for the one they held them to three because at right, least okay. you, you, had yeah, the pass, yeah. you had the pass. Right. It was a terrible matchup where you had De'Eric Jackson and Xavier Leggett in the end zone, and somehow D-Jack was able to punch that ball uh, away before it got to Leggett. So I'll, I'll give him credit there. But, yeah, man, I mean, I think they converted – only converted five third downs, but they were all uh, third and seven or longer. And mm-hmm. on that – bolt, I mean, they had a, a – Third, I think it was a third and 10 and a third and 11 on that first drive that they scored the touchdown. And then the, the backbreaker, man, tw- uh, three different plays on that last scoring drive where um, in the fourth quarter you have a third and 18, I believe. Mm-hmm. And they hit, I think, I think it was Leggett in the middle of the field. I forget if it was Leggett or, or Nick Harbor on that one. Hit him in the middle of the field. Big play. Uh, gets him near midfield. Then you get uh, South Carolina moves into the red zone and they're called for an illegal blindside block. Yes. And you get them down to yes. second and 27. Yes. And you're like, okay, you know, worst thing worst thing that happens here is that it's a field goal to one-point game, and then, you know, you risk giving the ball back to Carolina and, and the field goal wins this thing. But at least mm-hmm. you have the lead. Um, second and 27, they get like 15 or something back uh, on a little check down that Leggett is able to break a tackle and – and turn into a positive game. Actually, you got 17 back. I'm looking to hear. So it's third and 10. And what happens on third and 10? Andrew Phillips and Leggett are one-on-one. Phillips is having a rough year. Uh, Leggett's having an amazing year. Leggett wins that one-on-one. And uh, South Carolina scores with 744 left. And then you lose the game. But, you know, obviously the third and longs are unacceptable. That was a big reason why Kentucky did lose. But with that said, Kentucky's offense still got three more chances. Yeah, no three. Mm-hmm. And including – I mean, when they got the ball at midfield, I think a little over two minutes left, two timeouts, it was like, okay, just get 15 to – get 20 yards, and you feel pretty good with the way Alex Rayner's been this year. Uh-huh. Get 20 yards. 
they first play, Larry holds onto the ball forever and he gets stripped. Sack Carolina gets it back. You still get the ball back with a minute, but by then you're out of timeouts. And you know, what confidence do you really have in this offense to get into field goal range there without any timeouts and the way they were struggling all night? So uh just a pitiful offensive performance. Like you definitely have to some blame's got to go on the defense for those third and longs, but like Jalen said, man, you, you give up only 17 in an SEC contest, really any contest. Yeah, you feel like you should be able to put enough points on the board uh, where you win that game, but the way Kentucky's offense has been the last two seasons, um, especially kind of these last couple of weeks here this season, uh, it just wasn't in the cards, and uh, I think that was a that was a game that really like. It was just so winnable because of the missed opportunities, because South Carolina is not very good. And, you know, that's why you heard on the post-game radio show, you heard Stoops in his post-game press conference, he was just dejected and down. And uh, that's just a tough one to swallow. You can forgive losing to Alabama. You can forgive losing to Georgia. Missouri this year, you can definitely forgive. Tennessee, you had your opportunities. They own you, whatever. But at least win the games you're supposed to win. Uh, And this was a game they were supposed to win, and they didn't do it. Mm-hmm. Two years in a row for that. Well, yes. you know, and this what first time that they've won a couple in the series, but it's kind of been anomalies. You know, Lynn Bowden, the Kentucky hadn't got Lynn Bowden going when they won with Sawyer Smith, and then last year Levis is hurt, so it's kind of like a win. It was a win for them, but we're putting asterisk on those wins for them because it was some unique circumstances. Now you're a full strength heading down there. As full strength as full strength can be, 10 weeks into a season, you got your full complement. It's not a fluky quarterback situation. It's not like you got to go wildcat and you got to scrap your offense philosophy due to injuries. Any, none of that was on the table this year. Uh, I think I told y'all last week that you know I was going to be in Columbia and uh, we're down there for the day. Our, our niece is more like a daughter. So mm-hmm. It's kind of halfway. They're outside of Savannah. So Columbia's about halfway. We met them, spent the day, um, got her little two-year-old son, her and her husband and the old boys. So we met them, had lunch there, downtown Columbia, and uh, then went to the arcade, went to the bat cages, did fun stuff for the little boy and my kids and all that kind of stuff. Thought about, yeah, let's go look at ticket. Let's go grab a ticket. And and, and glad I didn't after, you know, having to, <laughs> having to sit through what we saw. So on the way home, I'm listening to, you know, Tom Leach and Jeff Curl all the way home and then watched it the next day. But as I'm listening, you know, you keep wondering, not a lot of Ray Davis. You hear Ramon Jefferson, yeah. you're hearing that. And I'm like, well, where's Ray Davis at? And then, you know, your boy Jeremy Jarman was doing sideline in place of, of Dick Gabriel, Jalen. Yep. And and he said, you know, Ray Davis is okay. He's up here at the 40-yard line just yep. talking with the coaching staff. I'm like, what? What is going yep. on with that? And so this is just weird. You, you know, you're visualizing what you're hearing. And then I go back and listen. I'm going to go back and watch it, you know, the next day. And – even on the 31-yard run, you're there, Aaron. The spin move, when he hits yeah. pay dirt, it was it was very subdued. Wasn't a lot of, to me, exuberance or happiness on his end. The body language, I'm just getting what I'm seeing from the TV copy. Compared to the three he had against Florida, where he's – and that's a home game, and you, when you find the crowd up. But he wasn't shushing the Carolina crowd. He wasn't – none of that. It was just – Look, it was almost kind of like Barry Sanders. Barry Sanders score, get the ball to the ref, <laughs> go to the sideline. That's what he did for 10 years. 
Ray showed a little more juice than that when he scored. And when he scored on that 31 yarder, and I was like, hmm, he's just kind of not really into yeah, it, is what yeah. I thought. So I just want to get y'all's thoughts. And then we saw the tweet that got deleted, but y'all's yeah. thoughts on all that. Yeah, I know I noticed the same thing, man. Uh, you know, and, and, and that's when I when I started watching again, that's the first thing I asked, like, what's going on with this? I mean, because mm. I mean, you can see it in his body. Like, you could just, you could just see it in his body language, man. Like, so, we don't know what happened. We may not ever, ever know what happened. Some, something's going on with that. Um, you know, people not stupid. Some, something's going on. Something's right. um, And whatever it is, 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 you know, is, is, is loud. As quiet it is, it, as it is, it's very, very loud. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you know, because we see it. So, I don't know, man. Like, you know, and and we talked about this a few episodes ago that there's something that we don't know about that's going on in that building um has to be you know it's just something don't feel right you know i you know when you're watching a typical you know stoops team that has that has good talent that has been you know i don't i don't feel like this is it like i don't feel like no you know something's something's not right you know i don't know exactly what it is but um everything's not connecting the way it should And, and and, and it just it shows in the play and it shows in the body language. Yeah, I think with Ray, I mean, I do look, I know he's been your best player all year, but there have been they have not had great production in the run game since man, when was the last time they really ran the ball that well? Like it's been a little bit now since they've struggled. I think the Tennessee games would kind of started a slump in the run game. So I guess it would have been Missouri was the last time when Davis had a really good start, at least in the first half. So you take out that run from Ray Davis. Uh, so he had, a, what, 12 carries? You take out that run, um, and he was averaging 2.7 yards a carry. So it's not like, you know, he's just – I think they were just looking for some juice. Uh, Ramon Jefferson had the big run at the end of the game last week. Uh, apparently he's been doing some really good stuff in practice. Jaton McClain got hurt. Dirty play down in Starkville where they grabbed him by the neck. It gave Jefferson mm-hmm. a chance. He's a seventh-year guy. They found some juice there, and they got him more involved. Remember, going into the year, the plan was kind of be, to be by committee, but Ray kind of took that job and ran with it, you know. But so I, I, I didn't think it was like anything malicious on the Kentucky staff's part. They're struggling offensively. What do you do? It would be the definition of insanity to continue <laughs> to try the same thing, mm-hmm. uh, even though – like the deep shots is kind of insanity, but we'll get to that later, I guess. But it, uh, it, it, so I didn't have an issue with it, but Ray Davis did. And there's something like you said, Jay, there's something going on in the in the locker room. That's not normal. It doesn't feel like I, I told you guys that I was a little concerned a few weeks ago. I think it was before they won at state. Uh, when J.J. Weaver was talking about how the defense isn't having fun anymore, how he's always needing to crack jokes to get people, you know, less tight. Ty Bryant, the freshman, said something about it, and it's like, oh, boy. So, you know, there's been some weird things that have popped up. Where even last year, I mean, I know it came out after the year, some of the things that Mark Stoops wasn't happy with how the team handled adversity, but I had never got the feeling talking to those guys that there was any beef in the building. I think they – that there was any quit in that team. I mean, obviously they went out and won the governor's cup. The bowl game was a really tough circumstance where you're playing an elite defense and you have nothing at quarterback really. Um, and you're off. I mean, as bad as Gangarilla was, you didn't have your offense coordinator. So you're running a watered down offense. that's already not very good. So whatever. 
But this year, yeah, it's definitely you could. There's been some more quotes from players, from coaches that make you, you know, turn your head than there were last year. And it's weird. Um, I'm really, really curious to see how they come out and fight this weekend. Um, because if they don't have juice this weekend in this rivalry game that, you know, they've dominated, not, not, I'm not saying if they, not saying if they don't win, but if they don't come out and at least compete and bring it for four quarters and give Louisville all they got and are chippy, you know, without the penalties and stuff, then I'll be, then I'll be extra concerned. I'm already pretty concerned, but that would be the biggest red flag for me. If they come out in this game and lack juice, uh, then there's something wrong. And, uh, I don't know what it is. That's uh that's what Mark Soups gets paid to figure out. But uh yeah. there's definitely something weird with that has not really happened during the Soups era going on in that building. No doubt. And look, he's and look, Jalen, you you've been a freshman, you've been a first year college player, you've been a veteran college player who's been around the block. Ray has been around the block. He's a he's a veteran guy, he's been at different places. Uh has he been at different places because of friction or has he just moved on to better opportunities? Whatever. He's been around. And so to maybe see a momentary you know, lapse of maturity or not handling it right after you've been around was a little surprising to me. Jalen Milrow, he kind of he kind of got ticked off and about his situation, lost his job, the whole South Florida game where it was got a little weird down there. He got it back together, took it, and and we've seen the progression. We've seen, okay, you had to kind of learn from it and go for it. And he's a younger guy, too. And he's a quarterback. So, that I mean, even more of a spotlight. You all, you know about that, Jalen. So, to me, to see that from Ray was surprising. Then the tweet, like y'all said, it's a little weird, especially from him who's who's been around the block. You bring yeah. for 1,000 yards uh, at – three different schools about to be four or whatever you 10 yards away from a thousand yards yeah, as, as crazy as it's been this year. So he knows how this works. I'm just surprised that he kind of got his back up about the situation. And yeah, I hate I, to keep singling him out, but it's just, no, it was well, just really it, weird. Oh, I'll, I'll let you get there. Jack. Get your point, but I just want to say, if you don't want to signal him out, Dane Key's family is tweeting during the game. The Keaton, yeah. Keaton Wade's mom has been tweeting stuff throughout the season. It's not – there's just a lot of weird stuff going on. Sorry, just wanted to mm-hmm. make sure we yeah. weren't signaling him out. Yeah. I, I'm, I guess I'm out of the loop on the tweets. What, what, what was the tweet? And I know he deleted it, but what – uh, Man, hold on. I, I'll, I'll pull I it up real quick. I it to you. He said, I thought I, I, was, I, thought I was the bell I thought cow. I was the bell cow, yeah. what it is about him getting not getting a lot of carries. carries. Yeah. Yeah. But again, I mean, you have a better idea. Is he missing holes? That's what Mark Stoops said he's doing? <laughs> yeah. I, like I said, man, and, and I didn't know about the whole Dane Key tweet and thing. Look, he, the guy that sticks out to me the most about there's something different is Dane Key. Yeah. From from the start to now. You know, I don't, I don't know what it is. You know, his play hasn't been the same. His energy hasn't been the same. The coaches said something about it in the in the media. When the coaches say something about it in the media, then it was re- it really has been a problem. Even though they try to say it in a positive light, uh, you know. So I I don't know what's up with that, man. You know, again, this could be this could not be it, but it could. We look across the college football landscape, and we see what's going on with Angel Reese. Uh, yeah. I mean, like, come on, like. Me and my brother sat here and talked about this a couple years ago when this thing started to go down. It was like, all right, if this is the way college football is going to go, this is what you're going to get. 
you know what I'm saying? It is what it is. At the end of the day, we're still dealing with six, uh, seven, or not 17, but some 17, but 18. Young adults, very young adults. Yeah, 20, 21, even 22, 23-year-olds with a lot going on. You know, full-time students, extra full-time athletes, and also they're trying to make money. And I, I there's a prominent program that you guys know about where their quarterback um, – it's, it's late to meetings because he's shooting commercials and he's doing this and doing that um, in the SEC. And it's the reason why their season isn't going the way it is. They, they wanted to go this year as well. So, um, look, I, I we don't know exactly what's going on. However, it's glaring that something is. Um, yeah. So, again, it's not our job to figure it out. It's, that's Coach Stoops' job. Uh, I'm sure he'll get to the bottom of it. Um, but at the end of the day, this is, I mean, it is what it is, man. Like culture gets challenged when you start putting a lot of this other stuff in the mix. So you see some coaches bowing out, uh, out of this college thing, man. Uh, what's his name? Uh, from Villanova coach bowed out. Jay Wright. Uh, Jay Wright got up out of there, man. At the, at the height of his career, he's, he's coaching the best he's ever coached. He's, he's bowing out. You know, you got coaches who are struggling during this time because it's a different you're dealing with a different human being and we can say whatever we want to say you know there are some people out there who will call me you know whatever for saying this type of stuff but it is what it is like we see it like we're, we're not stupid we see it like it, it's not the same you know a lot of people are more self-consumed now you know you're dealing with a lot of young athletes which i understand man you're 19 20 years old with you know, a lot of money and opportunity in front of your face. A lot of people who knows what their direct messages look like. So you're dealing with a lot of self-consumed young athletes. That's hard to get them to 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 be a part of a team. The Nick Sabans, the um, Kirby Smarts of the world, these guys are different than everybody else. Call it what it is. They are. Um, you know, so some. You know, like I said, it it. it it's definitely visible, um, and we'll, we'll see how this thing kind of plays out. But, you know, it, it's really not looking great. Um, I mean, we've seen how Jimbo Fisher got caught into it. I mean, it's, it's it's not looking good. You know, and I'm talking about big picture of college athletics. It's not looking good. Even the guy – what's the coach who got on there today and said something about it? Um, somebody got on today. I saw a college football coach that said, because Utah got a quarterback coming back for seven uh, years. Luke Fickle said it. Yeah, Luke Fickle. He was like, "Is this really what? Co- I mean, you. I mean, like, what are we doing? Like, it is. Is is? I mean, I know what we're doing. It's a money game. Uh, but you know, college football is 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 looking bad. Just ca- stop calling it college football. If we're gonna do it, stop calling it college football. Call it something else. Because it's not. <laughs> it's not. It's not what it was. Yes, it's college football, but. It's not the same game. It's not the same thing as, as what it was. And it's only getting worse, in my opinion. You know, I, I know a lot of coaches, fortunately, um, college, high school, and some pro, and they all echo the same in, uh, sentiment. You know, it, it's just we're dealing with a different beast now. It's harder to get these guys on one accord on one, you know, fight for one thing, you know, because there's so much other stuff. So – Yes, that's probably part of the issue in the building at, at Kentucky right now. Uh, but, you know, who knows what else it is, but we know that is. And, it's, it, it, you know, I hate to see it because I'm a purist in a lot of ways. But, you know, 
I guess it is what it is. Yeah, interesting, interesting. So, like you said, uh, all that and got a 10 and 1 Louisville team waiting on you Saturday afternoon. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's brutal, man. Uh, it's brutal. And again, you know, we'll see how they come out. Uh, that's the big thing to me. I mean, obviously, you want to win this game. It would be not only big for this individual group, but the program to show, hey, we could still, you know, we still at least have this going where, you know, this is our state. We still have the better program at the moment. But, you know, Louisville's got a lot to play for. You know, their college football playoff hopes are still hanging there. Um, they're rolling right now. I know. Look, I think we all know, and I, I think even the, <laughs> I think even a realistic Louisville fan would admit they have benefited from a pretty light schedule. They have had some close calls and even lost a game against a team they they probably shouldn't be having close calls with and uh, losing to if they're really this elite college football team. But at the end of the day, they win one score games. Uh, I don't have it in front of me, but I know it's it's like a good four or five, maybe even mm-hmm. more one score games. Mm-hmm. Uh, they close games out in the fourth quarter. They find ways to win, and that's what Kentucky did for so long. And they're not doing this year is find ways to win. I put up that stat. Uh, a, last or earlier this week where from 2016 to 2021 uh Kentucky was 21 and 8 when going into the fourth quarter whether that be winning or losing uh in a one possession game or tied uh since then the last two years they're one and five the only win being uh against Mississippi State last season so uh they don't do very well in these one score games in crunch time where Louisville has has done excellent in in those spots especially just the last two weeks, you know, the Virginia game got dicey. Unfortunately, he had a very serious injury on the Virginia side that I think might have sucked the air out of that side of the uh, side of the sideline there uh, with the Cavs. But um, still, Louisville found a way to to finish that one off and get a win. And then last week at Miami, a game where their defense kind of had a uh, uncharacteristically bad game. They may, were able to make the plays at the end of the game. Uh, they get a goal line stop. And, you know, they get it done. So you got to just tip your cap to a team that finds ways to win. Um, so this is going to be a very tough game. It's a Louisville team that now that Jeff Brom is there is going to understand what's at stake. I'm not sure they ever did uh, with Scott Satterfield. You know, he's a Carolina guy. Uh, you know, you know, Petrino definitely had him ready to play that game. But uh, I, I don't think Scott, Scott Satterfield ever did. Uh, I definitely think Jeff, Jeff Brom will. Uh, oh, yeah. he, did a, he cleaned up that rivalry game. Uh, again, I know Indiana's Indiana, but even some of the years where Indiana was decent, you know, Purdue pretty much had him beat every time he was there, if I, if I remember correctly. So uh-huh. uh, Louisville's going to be ready to play. They've got a lot to play for, and uh, Kentucky's got to just match that intensity, man. If you if you go out there and give a puncher's chance and at least, you know, make it where anything could happen in that fourth quarter. I'm not obviously fans are going to be pissed off if they lose, but I think there will be at least some, okay, you know, this time we go up against the top 10 team that we know, you know, getting blown out by Georgia and Alabama is one thing. This Louisville team, yes, they're top 10. They're not really a top 10 roster. Uh, you know, if you go out there and you battle to the end, you could at least hang your head on this team. Didn't quit on coach Stoops. Mm-hmm. Uh, they still care about each other. And, you know, we'll see who's left for that poll game and if they can go out and fight and, you know, finish above 500. Um, but the worst thing I think that could happen here is Louisville comes out all sorts of fired up and Kentucky just rolls over. Uh, oh. We've seen Louisville do that in this game. If Kentucky ends up being the one to do that, 
if you thought Twitter was bad after the Carolina game, uh, you might want to delete the app for a few days uh, <laughs> uh, after Saturday. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, uh, you know, Louisville, and this this is going to hurt some people's feelings, but Louisville has the better team. Kentucky, right now. Has, yeah. Kentucky has the better talent, though. Yep. Uh, Kentucky has better dudes, but Louisville has the better team as a collective right now. And it shows. Anytime you got a team that's winning games late in the fourth quarter that way, winning one possession games, game winning drives, that's that's a team. Yep. Um, you know, and you cannot deny that Jeff Brom, in my opinion, is a top 15 coach in the country. Mm -hmm. What he did at Purdue, which his roster was nowhere near, I mean, nowhere in the same league as Ohio State and some of those teams. But they, I mean, how many years did he spend in the Big Ten championship game? I mean, he had a few, right? Three? Only one, but he got close a couple other times. They they had they had a, quite a few winning seasons during his yeah. time there. And I, know, I, thought, I thought he got there at least two twice. Maybe uh, I'll, I'll get it for you right now if yeah. you go on there. Uh, but besides that, you know, I mean, this is a, this is a really, really good team. Like I said, yeah. if Kentucky can make this thing about mono e mono and they're playing – with great effort, I think Kentucky pulled this thing out. Kentucky scores 30, 31 points, they win. Um, I, I believe that. So, uh, you know, like I said, they got the better players. Guys like Deion Walker, can can he can change the game um, in the middle of the football field, in the core of the football field where everything matters. He can change the game. So, they got the better players, man. So, well, I mean, so he was, he was seven and six, six and yeah, seven, one division four time. and eight. Two and four. His last two years, he went he went nine and four and eight and five. Yeah, they beat Tennessee yeah. in that wild Music City Bowl. Wow. Yeah, um, yeah. Won was... two bowl games. Won a division title last year. I mean, he for Purdue. That's a that's a pretty damn good run. 13 and 13, <laughs> 17 and twenty one, nineteen and twenty five. Nineteen and twenty five at Purdue before these last two years. Yeah. yeah. Always Still hard, hard to do. I mean, that's even hard to do at, at that yeah, point, I mean, man. Always one of the worst so, power five jobs in the country. So, put, I mean, put his put the recruited where was Purdue average in recruiting rankings, as opposed to where where right. were they finishing up at the end of the season? They right. always outperformed their talent. They're always Absolutely. overachieved. So that's my that's my judge on coaching. That's why I think Mark Stoops is such a good coach. He had years where he they always performed well as a team back when the recruiting wasn't where it is now. Mm -hmm. So that's my judge on a coach. Like that's why I say Jeff Brom, and I think the guy at uh, Utah, uh, the coach Powell at Washington, him. these are absolute fantastic coaches. The guy at Kansas, these are great coaches because their recruiting rankings <laughs> don't match up with their winning percentage. Mm -hmm. You know, they win a lot more games than what their recruiting rankings say they should win. In my opinion, that's a great talent developer. That's a great uh, talent identifier, and that's a great um, that's a great coach. So yeah. I think he's he's a fantastic coach. I mean, anytime you can be, you know, somewhat in the game with Michigan in the Big Ten championship game, when you're coaching at Purdue, you're doing a hell of a job. Uh, yeah. So you know, that's that's the thing. It's going to be, you know, I, I love the and I say this because there's going to be a chess match between Kentucky's defense and his offense. I mean, Jeff Brom is an offensive dude to the core. Mm -hmm. Quarterback, offensive coordinator, head coach, he's an offensive dude to the core. And you got a really great defensive scheme at Kentucky and really good players in spots at Kentucky. 
I think in the interior defense, right, your might line back of your nose tackle are outstanding football players, Sunday guys. Um, and you got Brom, who has a good quarterback, solid receivers, and a really, really, really good scheme and a good team. So I I like that matchup. You know, I, I think it's going to be a fun game to watch. And I told you guys a couple weeks ago I could not wait to this game because I think now, now Louisville has a really good coach who knows what it takes in these games. And you still got Kentucky with good players and good coaches. Um, that's going to make this rivalry a little bit more exciting. So uh, that's that's why I said that. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm anxious to see what happened. I, I, I think, like I said, a Kentucky offense can put up 30 points. 31 points, they win the game, in my opinion. Mm. Mm-hmm. So we shall see. We shall see. Yeah. Um, it- <laughs> I, I was all set to pick Kentucky in this one, if I'm being honest, until the uh, Carolina game. <laughs> I really was because I, I agree with you 100%, Jalen, where I still think Kentucky is the more talented team. Uh, I know Louisville is the better – they're probably the better coach team this season at least. They have – what they're doing schematically is working, especially on defense. Uh, they have some playmakers at wide receiver and running back. I'm not, you know, I'm not in love with the quarterback play this year there. Uh, I don't think Louisville fans are either. But mm-hmm. still, uh, I, I was all set to pick Kentucky because I truly believe they're going to get up for the – I still think they will get up for this game. And I just uh, – the talent thing. But, man, uh, that was just a demor- – they got to prove they can get off the mat because that was demoralizing last weekend. And you, you talk about Louisville's schedule, and so it, it's still and it still falls their way. Not that they're going to be looking ahead. I doubt Brown's going to have them looking ahead or allow them to look ahead. But they get Florida State next week without Jordan Travis. So it's <laughs> that still it still that, works that out. Crazy, isn't it? Now this backup, I mean, he's shown he got an arm, he got some talent, but he's he's green, and he, you know he gets he gets Florida, and, and then he defense. gets Louisville. Yeah, and so, they they but, create havoc on mm, defense. Man. Yeah, so yeah, and even look, even if you want to even look ahead further than that, uh, they do pick up Clemson next year in ACC play, but no Florida State again. Uh, Austin P, Jacksonville State, Notre Dame, Kentucky, Boston College, Clemson, Georgia Tech, Miami, Pitt, SMU, Stanford, Virginia. Like that is like, are you kidding me? <laughs> well, we 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 already know, based on what happened this this past summer, they're gonna be favored in all twelve games again. And maybe, maybe they were right. Maybe Vegas was right, and we were just wrong because they might end up really finishing eleven and one. <laughs> That's true. Craziest. I mean. I mean, you got to tip your cap, but at the same time, there is context. And like I saw, I saw people complaining about how Missouri is a spot ahead of them in the playoff rankings. And, you know, obviously I get it because Missouri is a two loss team, but you just look at Missouri and their resume and the fact they, the Georgia game, that was probably Georgia's biggest sweat of the year. I would say that was the past two years. Yeah. Past two years, especially uh, to go into Athens and really. (laughs) Play with them, and then LSU—they just let them off the hook. I mean, they—they yeah. had that game won. They scored thirty-nine points, but uh, they, they let them off the hook. And then shout out to Denny Green. We had yeah. them let off the hook. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they kicked—they uh, kicked Kentucky's butt late in that game. Got a win on the road. They kicked Tennessee's ass. They had a really nice win at home against Florida. They won beat Kansas State when they were ranked in the top fifteen. Like they have a pretty darn good resume. That's better than Louisville's, no doubt. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so I think we hit everything football wise. Uh, 
Yeah, and just get ready. Portal season's going to be I, – I don't have specific names for you yet, but it's – I know they uh, – I know as far as going after guys, the wide receiver that entered from Texas A&M, Raymond uh, Cottrell, I, I think he'll be visiting UK at some point, so that might be an early name as a target to watch, but there are going to be a lot of guys entering. That's just the way it is. Uh, I don't know how big of names we're going to see from this Kentucky team leave, but it, it, it's going to happen. Uh, they're going to be there's going to be a lot this next month uh, to get to hold you over until they 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 tow it up again one more time at the end of next month. Probably in, it looks like in Charlotte at this point. I'll, I'll say this every portal season, man, I, I am ecstatic that I'm not a college football head coach. Oh, I yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I can't I can't imagine the money is great, man. But dang, like, I mean, I mean. Dude, I mean, he's spending most of his time right now make sure he retain his players. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You got to recruit three. Look, you're th- this month of December, and now they've tr- you know they tried to make you know the portal isn't officially open till the fourth, but you know guys are going to still come out and you know announce their intentions. I think last year, like Magwood and Chris Lewis announced like two days after the little mm-hmm. game, whatever. But you know, but you have to recruit, like you said, your own team. You got to recruit free agents essentially from all the FCS and all the other FBS teams and whatever, and then you got to finish off your high school class. Like it's in, and if you're Kentucky and you know a little less than half the country, you got to prepare for game thirteen. It's just it, it's nuts. It's absolutely nuts. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's the wild wild west, man. And uh, like I said, it, you know, yeah. it, 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 the, the most annoying part for a coach is probably. Over he he has to overly recruit his own roster. I mean that that has to be because you know that other teams are finding a way to contact your players, uh, yep. and that, that they'll do that. And you know that's going on. You know to be honest with you, there's going to be a couple of big, one that I think for sure, maybe two names enter the portal that you probably Kentucky fans probably don't want to see enter the portal. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's going to happen. Yeah, and that, that's going to happen, and. You know, that's the life. <laughs> that's the that, life. That's we, what, the <laughs> life we live nowadays, right? Yeah, uh-huh. that, that is what it is, man. It, it really, it is what it is. Yeah. So, you know, basketball. We we come off Kansas and got a couple of little smaller type opponents before you get Miami coming in, and yeah. Um, still waiting for the bigs. Still liking the style of play. Still. You know, get the bigs up to speed, and if they're healthy, they should be able to play this way because they're fast and athletic. Yeah, at, at least uh, Z and Bradshaw for sure. Right, Ugo is more yeah. defensive rim protector. Yeah, now he's he's working on all that. We've seen yeah. him. We've seen clips of him shooting and trying to do he's that. Trying. We'll see, but uh, um, you know, Kansas got blasted by Marquette. Last night they beat Tennessee today. Um, <laughs> your your uh, organization, the Cats Paul, just retweeted Samuel L. Jackson talking about Hunter Dickinson flopping. So y'all look up the Cats Paws on that. And he's one of those dudes that if he's on your squad, you like him, but yeah. he annoys you if he's on the other team. You know, the, the, he was yeah. doing the same stuff. He was he was falling all over the floor last night, you know, against uh, Marquette, Marquette and then looking up like 
why didn't I get a call? That kind of thing. But, um, you know. Reality is every team has one of those guys. Joe Kim Noah back in the day for Florida. Yeah. Uh, my Rockets got Dylan Brooks now who was with We've Memphis. We've seen Euros Plasovic the last four years or mm-hmm. ten years, however you want to state mm-hmm. it. But, yeah. uh. Yeah, no, look, I mean, basketball-wise, I still think – I think it was kind of weird Monday night where it was an overtime game, but, it, like, it, the defense is an issue, and it's not just the rim protection. I mean, they're getting beat by guards all the time. Uh, so there definitely has to be some stuff to be cleaned up defensively. I didn't think you – know, Reed Shepard's been so good all year. Still, the steal numbers were really good, but he got beat just on one-on-ones, you know, at times in that game. Yeah. It, wasn't, it wasn't a good defensive game for Kentucky. Yeah. By they, ISO, they ISO'd him yeah. up on the block a little bit. And and they um, made some hero shots, St. Joe's did. But there were still some words like, come on, man. You got to you gotta defend that. So, you know, but offensively, like you said, the style of play worked. They scored, I know it was overtime, but they scored, what, 94, uh, 96, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and what, 86 in regulation, right? Is that what yeah. it's for? Yeah. yeah, so yeah, so they're still on pace. To, they're this would be their highest scoring season since the uh 89-90, which was that Patino by then? That's, that's his first year. First, first year, right? So and they just and it was it was literally, you know, there were t-shirts, and Patinos, Bombinos, everybody yep. just, that's right. just bombed bombing threes. Them. And this was way before his time. This is right. this is the 80s. Yeah, 89-90. Like, yeah. Like the three-point line just became a thing. Right. And you got coaches that you know, some still don't really care for it, but really back then, oh God, no, you know, and he was just like, they're like, Hey guys, green light, tuck it up. You know, uh, Derek Miller who played for that team, Mm. they went 14 and 14, but he just missed. If you look up big blue history, you know, guys that have highest shooting percentage, minimum 100 shots, he would be there, but he only took 99 threes that year. So, you know, but, you know, that's, this is like '80s, and nobody yeah. was was you know subscribing to it. It'd be like putting the the offenses, passing offenses back in the '60s <laughs> when you got the, the Green Bay Packers and the sweep and three yards in a cloud yeah. of dust, and you got a team just throwing the ball over the yard. Which you know the dude for San Diego, Eric Coryell, and all that eventually did happen. But how unorthodox that would be, you know? This, they right. throw it 52 times a game. <laughs> When it's three yards in the cloud, that's, that's kind of what Patino was doing, shooting all these threes back Absolutely. when it was, you know, throw the ball to the big guy. The point guards never shot unless they were absolutely open. That's how it was back then. It was it was everything predicated on the bigs. Yeah. And, you know, Patino kind of flipped that on his head. Man. Somebody got yeah. to check, right? <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. And then before you know it, you know, imitation is a sincere form of flattery. Stuff starts getting copied and duplicated and yeah, imitated, right. and then it's just common. Everybody's doing it. Yeah. Yes, but uh, again, so it wasn't like I thought. You know, they they stunk, and that's why the game went to overtime. I think St. Joe's played a really good game, but uh, if they make one more free throw at the end of that game, St. Joe's wins, and we're having a different discussion, <laughs> right? So it was good for this team to get an early overtime game, experience that, find a way to win. That can't hurt in the long run now that you got it as a W. Um, but you definitely want to have a cleaner game from from Jump Street uh, against Marshall here on Friday. They've had some slow starts to really pretty much every game. I'm, I know they've fallen behind mm-hmm. the last four so yeah. uh, by at least two buckets. So, you know, you want to try to get off to a little bit of a hotter start. Uh, it was good to get DJ Wagner going a little bit um, in this one. Uh, I thought Justin Edwards played a little bit better too. So, so some good things, some bad things, but that's early season basketball and you got one more 
You know, we talked about uh, the uh, what what game? Uh, A&M Commerce game being a tune-up for Kansas. Uh, this game against Marshall Friday. Marshall's not, you know, they had a good year, really good year last year. They won 24 and 8, but their two best players, one of them's in the G League, the other transferred to Mississippi State. Um, they are not having a good year so far. They've lost three games, uh, Radford, Oakland, and uh, another one in there. Not a, not a big name that they lost to. So you got to go out there, take advantage, uh, get a get a get a comfortable win, and then uh, you got a really really good test with Miami. I know it's not the brand name, it's not the Duke North Carolina people wanted in right. this debut ACC challenge, but Miami's coming off a trip to the Final Four. Most of those pieces are still intact, very similar style where they've got guards for days, but they also have an enforcer that Kentucky doesn't have. So mm-hmm. uh, big non conference game at home that should be a lot of fun, and uh, you got to take care of business first and kind of build some confidence. Uh, uh, just, I, I think it would be nice to have a comfortable one Friday. I know that the overtime thing was probably good for them in the long run, but back to back, I don't think I don't think they need to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, I agree with that. I agree with that. Try to beat Marshall like you, you should beat him like yeah. you're supposed to. Hopefully Absolutely. that's gonna happen. Yeah, 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 there's no reason not to. This isn't like nothing against Marshall. They're just not. They lost. They're two best players by far and away from last year. I mean, that Taylor kid that transferred to state averaged, what, 20 points a game last year? Something crazy. Um, and they went 24-8, and they would have been in the tournament uh, if they didn't, you know, they lost in the Sun Belt tournament. If they had won the Sun Belt, uh, that's a one big league. But uh, I think they were in the NIT, maybe. So, uh, you know, they're coming off a strong year. Dan Tony's brother, Dan D'Antoni, the head coach. Um, but, you know, they've lost to Radford. They've lost to... Uh, Oakland, and I'm giving you the third loss right here. They lost to Utah State, so yeah, they're not having a good year. You got to take advantage. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Anything else y'all want to add? We no, I I was just saying, selfishly, I'm glad that game was as good as it was on Monday, man, because I had two kids that uh, two young men that I coached this past year who were seniors that are going to Kentucky next next year. you know, as, as students, and uh, one of them is a photographer. So, yeah. you know, uh, we yeah, I, that's why I reached out to you about that, Aaron. I, I got in touch with Evan and, um, and was able to kind of help him get on the court so he oh, can good. do his photography thing, and uh, and his pictures came out absolutely excellent. Uh, I'm so, glad uh, that worked out. Yeah, no doubt, man. I, I appreciate Evan for that, and, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure those two kids <laughs> enjoyed the hell out of that, man. Oh, yeah. You know, you know, you don't get a lot of opportunities to do that type of stuff, especially as high school kids. And wow. they got a chance to be on the floor, man, uh, and, and do that. So that that was cool. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, and gotta send out good thoughts to to my guy, our guy, Freddie Maggard. Uh, yeah, I don't know if everybody saw or heard. You know, he he wrote an article for On Three and KSR about you know, some of the things he's been going through, uh, just as far as you know. Um, motor skills, kind of losing them, and kind of been struggling with it for a long time, and uh, on shows and podcasts, and kind of lose his thought, and and you know people start to notice, and he was embarrassed, and he, the pressure to try to be the same insightful dude that he's been, and he just wasn't able to do it. So if you read his article, uh, you know basically it's okay not to be okay, and he's trying to you know attack it a lot of therapy and everything he's going through. So if you haven't read it, take a few minutes and read that and, and you'll see what he's been dealing with for several years. But 
this dude from my hometown, and I've said it many times. Uh, the dudes that were those dudes in my era, because I'm about eight or nine years younger than Freddie, but those dudes still look up to Freddie and were influenced and impacted by him. That's just how much weight he carried in our community. Um, so he thought the word of my dad. I looked up at my dad's memorial service, walked in, and there, there Freddie is. It doesn't come from Lexington to you know my dad's funeral, and he's just as humble as he can be to to affect people that much and then be as humble as he is about no big head, no cocky bone in his body. Uh, and just want to send our good thoughts to him and you know, hope he continues to, to, to keep working, trying to get better. Yeah. It's, uh, that was a tough read. And I'm glad, uh, I'm glad he shared it. I, mm -hmm. Those things are important to share if you can. And also obviously Dick Gabriel too. He's on the mend. He's back home. We were texting during the Carolina game Saturday. He's feeling better for sure. He was frustrated like we all were. Um, and then uh, Lonnie Demery too at a fall yes. a couple of weeks ago, yeah. man. Uh, her, I, I talked to his daughter to check in uh, I think last week and he's on the mend as well. So it's been, it's been a little bit of a tough couple of weeks for the UK beat uh, over mm -hmm. here. Um, but yeah, that was pretty, pretty powerful stuff from Freddie. I'm glad he uh, had the courage and the, uh, you know, the want to, to share that uh, with the people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I watch all the press conference, just like Jalen and, you know, half of them, you're right there in Jeff. I usually watch Jeff Drummond's oh, and yeah. you're, you're right there in, in, in screen and, you know, Lonnie will be right there beside of you or that's right. They'll, Stoops's Monday press conference, there'll be some funny interaction with Lonnie. You know, he might, ne understand, never he might not understand the question. Lonnie say, what is that again, Lonnie? Repeat that again. Yeah. Something. So, <laughs> it I've, never fails. I've just maybe, I don't know him like you. I've, like I passed the word, you know, here and there when I've sure. been able to cover games. I don't cover every game like you do, but, you know, been in the press box and just kind of said hey to him. But he's one of those pillars that's been around forever, like a Dick Gabriel, like a Larry Vault. You know, like before them, uh, Oscar Combs, who was there for you know, you know, years and years and years, and so yep. Larry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> hey man, I, I, I miss seeing those dudes, man. Even uh, you know, Tony Neely, who oh know, yeah, who does that. Tony's a good dude, man. He he's is. A, he's he's a good dude. as nice a guy as you're gonna be. Yeah, you can't meet meet nobody nicer than that. But yeah, I'm, I'm you know, I remember I remember all those dudes, man. And, <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah. So sh you know, shout out to them, man. Oh, for sure, for sure, man. Well, fellas, we enjoyed this, man. Uh, Y'all enjoy the weekend, for short week. Uh, if you get some time off, whatever, you get to catch your breath for a minute. You want me? So yeah, uh, I mean, en enjoy the <laughs> dinner or wherever you got to be. The people you get to see, the things you got to do, and I appreciate we appreciate that. all your coverage. You know, uh, basketball and football. Y'all check them out on the Cats Pause. Check Jalen out. Man writes books, the man coaches kids, the man's a two-time author. So y'all continue to do great things and appreciate everybody takes the time to listen right here and check it out here at believe.com. Um Apple Podcast, Spotify, Sea of Blue, and everywhere you get your podcast, you can watch it or check it out. And we'll be looking forward to next week. Win or lose, we'll be here talking about it all. On Believe in Kentucky. So for Jalen and Aaron, this is Vinny Hardy. We'll be back next week. Everybody be safe. Enjoy yourself. We'll holler at y'all next time.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.